this is due to some recent conversations that I've had, near and past both uh, people, that when I talked to them about witnessing, and they just didn't know what to say to somebody about Jesus. They didn't know how to witness, they didn't know the Bible, all that great or whatnot. And they really wanted to share Christ, but they really wasn't, they were scared to share Christ because they didn't know the Bible, they didn't want to sound stupid and all that, you know how that goes. I know nobody ever feels that way. But the greatest thing that each one of us have is our testimony. Because we know ourselves better than we know anybody else in this world. And we know how much we changed and what changed in us whenever Christ came into our life. That's our first testimony of our salvation experience and the change and what we felt and how that 100,000 pounds was just lifted off of your chest, that burden of sin that you had and how it just disappeared. And then you have testimonies of healing. You know, somebody wants to argue with you about, oh, I think it's Buddha or I think it's Muhammad or I think it's this or I think it's that or there is no God. I mean, I've met people in AA meetings that they said, you know, your own God is you understand him. I mean, like some people have more worse than fire hydrant or something. But <clears throat> that was what they used as a God. But when you when you had a encounter with the God of heaven, when you've had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's changed your life, and he's healed you, he's touched you, and you've seen the miraculous, there's not a person that's going to come in contact with you that has an argument that's going to be able to deter you because you have a testimony, because you have an experience, something that you know, that you know, that you know in your heart, mind, soul, spirit. I mean, you know as deep as you can know it that God intervened and touched your life. And there's not a person on the planet will ever change your mind of that. One of the examples I used earlier was that there are different denominations that preach all kinds of different things. They made their own minders and all this stuff. And one of them out there is that, well, healing died with the apostles and Jesus. Yes, after, after the apostles all passed away, there was no more healing. Well, I can tell you, bona fide, 100%, beyond a shadow of a doubt, no if, ands, or buts, that's wrong. Because you you wouldn't be seeing me standing right here, right now, if God didn't heal, because I'd be dead. I mean, me, myself, I have had a miraculous, supernatural, created miracle in my body. I had blood clots all through my body. I had blood clots in, the, in my lung. They said it was as big as a gumball. The blood vessel or vein in my leg was solid all the way from below the knee to the groin. It was, that's where all the blood clots were coming out of. I could not move my foot because the blood could get into my leg, but it couldn't get back out. And I could go into all these details, but they did MRIs and all this stuff, and you could physically see it on the screen. It was plugged solid. My leg was swollen up about like a football. And it was hot to the touch because there, there was no circulation. And I had a tube with going in my neck, running down through my jugular vein, going down in here, coming back around and going up to my heart and lungs where that with a 
putting heifers on that big blood clot trying to melt it. I mean, I'm in ICU for nine days. And then I'm on the floor with telemetry for another seven or eight days. Well, what changed that was Jesus. I'd have probably been in there or died. Because when they tell you in the emergency room, if you got something you need to say to the loved ones that are with you, you need to start saying it now because you might not even get that out of your mouth. You know you're in trouble. They could not believe that I even walked in that place. And, and I was struggling. I really was. I mean, it was only a God thing because it started at 9 o'clock. I worked till 2. Drove all the way from Canton and back to up here where we live at and close to Atmore. And then we drove all the way back to Pensacola to the hospital. I mean, and they said other like a shooting guy had so many blood clots floating around inside of my body. If one of them went the wrong place, it was done. But God protected me. And then one night, while I'm in that hospital, I'm sitting there in that bed, I've got another gentleman in the bed next to me. And I've got uh, Tamla Mann on Daystar singing on my TV in my room. And she's singing. And I'm worshiping. And I'm going to tell y'all what, this is, God is my witness. I've had the Holy Spirit all over me, but I've never had him in portions. I raised my left hand, and I felt the Holy Spirit hit my arm. And he run down my arm, run through my chest, and when I, I could not hardly breathe. Okay, I couldn't. Because of the blood clot that was blocking my lungs, it was inhibiting the blood flow for it to be oxygenated come back into my body. I couldn't walk from here to the to the camera and I was out of wind. But as soon as that happened, all of a sudden I could breathe like I had my head stuck in a freezer. Stuck your head in the freezer, took a deep breath like I was standing in an Alaskan wind. I hadn't been able to breathe that deep and that clear and that clear okay. since I was a kid. Jeez. And the Holy Ghost didn't stop there. I felt it go right on down my body, went right on down to that left leg, and I physically heard my leg go. Glory. The swelling disappeared. Glory. My foot went to movement. I called my nurse. She was a young Christian, and she come in there, and I told her what happened, what God had just done, and she just fell apart, started squalling, because she knew that was God. Yes. Because I literally could not move my foot. It was stuck like this. And then after that happened, my foot went right back to work. Swelling went down. Temperature went down. Jeez. I could breathe. I was I was healed. I was already scheduled for the next day to go for another MRI. And God's got a sense of humor. Not only does he show us something, but he shows it in witnesses to something. He gives me the chance to witness. This young girl that's doing my MRI, she is training a Muslim girl. Got all her head garb on and everything, you know, all this. And you know I'm finna talk about Jesus, right? She's finna get to hear about Jesus. She ain't gonna be hearing about Muhammad. She's gonna hear about Jesus. This girl starts doing my MRI. She's doing it on both legs. I only had clots in one leg, but she's doing it on both legs. And whenever she checked me, she was looking at it, and she kept looking at me, and I seen this weird look on her face. And then she turned to me and looked at me, and she says, Wow, you're unique. I said, okay, how's up? She says, well, she goes, I see that blood vessel. It's still plugged solid. 
It's just like it was last time we looked at it. It's still plugged. She says, but the unique part is, and she goes, and I've done hundreds of these, and I've never seen this in another human being. You have two of these blood vessels. And she said it starts right below the blood clot, and it goes around, bypasses that, and goes back in above the blood clot. And you have them in both legs. And I, that was the door opener to preach Jesus. Amen. Amen. Because I serve a God of the miraculous. Amen. And I witness to them. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I led that Muslim to Christ or the girl either. But I planted seeds and they saw something that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was God. Because there's no way it can happen. You know, some of us are well, sometimes, you know, some people like this happen. Yeah, yeah, well, you're right. When the finger of God touches you, it does. And I prayed about this. And I asked God, I said, God, why? Why didn't you just clear the blood clot? He said, well, he said, if I cleared the blood clot, then they'd have said what they were doing with this. He said, but they can't take no credit for those new blood vessels you have. And he said, I put them in both legs. He says, because they can't say, well, it was the pressure pushed it and made it come around, but there's nothing wrong with the other leg. And I have them in both legs. Two return blood vessels back to the heart and the lungs to recirculate the blood and reoxygenate it. That's a God thing. Testimony number two was my salvation. I was one of the most foulest people that you'd ever want to meet. My life pre-salvation was a mechanic, a biker, a trucker. So you just take all of those personalities that most people are well aware of, and that's me. Alright? Within six months of my salvation, I was preaching. Within two months of my salvation, I had people that was in the church that told me I knew more about the Bible than they did. They'd been in it their whole life. I was set free from drugs. I was set free from alcohol. I was no longer a womanizer anymore. God set me free from pornography. God set me free from all of that stuff. Broke it. And I mean cold turkey, drugs, and alcohol. Set free money. Why did I get saved? Because of another miraculous hand. I could stand right here the rest of the day and tell you testimony after testimony after testimony of what I've seen God do. And, and just in my family. Of provision. Of healing. Of salvation. Of being saved from near track, what would have been a fatal traffic accident. Seen the miraculous hand of God do some awesome things that are undeniable. You'll never be able to tell me, number one, there ain't power in the name of Jesus. You'll never be able to tell me that God don't heal. You'll never be able to tell me that he doesn't save. Ever. You can stand here and hold a gun to my head, and I, you just about to shoot me. If it ain't happening, I'm not going to deny Christ because I know 
what I know within me is so strong that there's no way I can deny it. No way. It's not possible. To deny would be a bona fide out and out lie. You know, back pre-salvation, I was one of those people that kind of, well, all roads lead to God. Harry Krishna, Muhammad, all these, well, they always talk about the same people. It's all in different languages. Let me tell you something. The night that I prayed for my little girl that had been running 106-degree fever for five days straight, had pneumococcal meningitis, and the doctor said all we could do was see what's left, that she should be brain dead and quadriplegic. Once this gets done running its course, if alive at all. And I prayed for her, and they done tried everything in the world, everything they did, ain't done nothing. Ain't changed anything. They done put IVs in her head, shaved all her hair off, collapsed all the blood vessels in her head, collapsed the blood vessels in her arms. They couldn't put any more fluids in her because they were running out of places to stick her. And I prayed and asked God to give it to me that I die in her place. And I told him, I said, Lord, I surrender. I said, I, I finally, because the Lord had been chasing me for a long time, and I knew it. But I finally surrendered that night. After I said I would die, give my life for her. Just save my little girl, heal her. And I told him, I surrendered. I'd do anything he wanted me to do. I'd teach, preach, do anything, go anywhere he wanted me to go. Just heal my little girl. Less than two hours, she was completely healed. Less than two hours. I mean, she'd been running, it was actually like six days, I think, total. She'd been running 105, 106 fever, and they couldn't get it down. And she, she should have been, from another miraculous event later on, uh, God sent me a doctor because I was hard-headed, and I didn't repent and straighten up. Just talked to him with good luck as a redneck, like home. And God sent me somebody else to tell me how big a miracle it was. And then a lot longer, I don't have time to tell you all that, but I can tell you this, at the end of that doctor telling me what should have happened, I had God envelop me, and it's like I can only say, it's like he just put me inside of a piece of tubing or something that was clear and shut off all volume to everything else in the room. And I felt God hit me right in the top of the head. Just pop! Boy, I kept my part of that deal, you better keep going. He healed her again that night, and I see you again. We were let out of straight out of ICU the following morning. Sunday we was in church. That ain't bad. The running was over. So God can, God's arm is not short, as the word says. He can reach out, He can save, He can pull you back from the brink, and I know He did that. So this morning, I want to sh the reason I'm sharing all this. <coughs> It's because each one of us have a testimony. And I want y'all to see something, that the, the power of the testimony, I mean, when you really look at it, our Bible is nothing but a testimony. That's all our Bible is. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So everything from Genesis to Matthew, Jesus was the word. Anything that was already that came from God was Jesus speaking. Then he was made flesh. He came and dwelt among us and then died and paid the price for our sins. All right. Now so we're going to start off in Revelations 
chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses. And then we're going to jump around and read a few more verses. Then we're going to talk about the Apostle, Apostle Paul. <coughs> Revelations 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent, and he signified by his angel unto the servant John, who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Of the testimony of Jesus Christ. For of all things that he saw. Now, so this is about the testimony of Jesus. Testimony of Jesus. Now John is sharing the testimony of Jesus. <clears throat> like I told y'all earlier, whenever you're you have somebody the Lord wants you to witness to, it's about your testimony, how God, what God has done in your life. That's the greatest thing that you know the most about is your own personal testimony of how God changed you, came into your life. Alright? And then in verse 3, the Revelation 1, that says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So all the things, it's about the time is at hand for this prophecy, prophecy and for this testimony to start beginning to be fulfilled. Alright, in Revelation 6, 9, we're going to jump to another place where it's talking about a testimony. It says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw one of the altars, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not, not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? These people's testimony, they were so well known in their testimony that they died because of their testimony. They were just like what I was talking about. Rather than deny Christ, rather than accepting some other form of religion, rather renouncing God, they chose to die. They gave up their life because of what they believed so adamantly. So 100% of everything in them, they were willing to lay down their life for that. And you know what? We've had the freedom to worship in this country since it was in since its inception. But there could come a day that you stand right here on the soil in the United States of America and be faced with that very same decision. So you need to go ahead and settle it in your heart today. <clears throat> Whether you're going to, if it happens before the rapture of the church takes place, that you wind up that you're one of the ones there at that same altar with those people that were martyred before their testimony of Jesus Christ. And he says there's a number that will be numbered and then the end will come. So, we may be there. If you still here after the rapture, about the only way that you might possibly be saved is by being killed for your faith. Alright, Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Here again, a 
another set of people, he's talking about it, that they overcome. What did they overcome? They overcame sin. They overcame the death, hell, and the grave. They overcome spending eternity in hell. They did not give up their eternal salvation for a moment of life. You remember Jesus said, Whosoever denies herself and follows him, if you lay down your life for my sake, you will find it. If you keep your life for your sake, you'll lose it. I mean, it's about eternity. It ain't just about the few minutes that we have here in this world. Because this is just a vapor of time that we live. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. <clears throat> this is where we're going to get into talking about the Apostle Paul and his testimony. And I'm probably not going to read all of this because there's one that's a whole chapter. Uh, it's Acts 22. But the thing about the Apostle Paul, everybody understands and knows and has been in church for a season what happened to the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he was uh, going around and killing the Christians. And the day that the Lord woke him up, he was hit with a bright light and he heard a voice come from heaven. And this is what we're fixing to read about. Acts 9, 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecute me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and being astonished said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told unto thee what you must do. He had a God event. He had, he had a record to crossroads with the Holy Spirit. He really did. Because, see, Saul, go ahead and take us to Acts 1, where it does Acts 1, 2. <clears throat> the, um, where Saul was struck with blind, he wound up going on into Damascus, as the Lord told him to do. And the Lord spoke to Ananias. Now, Saul had been fasting for three days. Had to eat or drink in three days, and he was blind, couldn't see a thing, had to be led there. And he went to a, a guy's house named Judas, which I thought that was kind of ironic because Judas is what portrayed Jesus. Now Saul, who was persecuted Christians, but Judas, that's kind of neat. I don't know if y'all ever noticed that or not. But anyhow, wrap trip. Um, the Lord told Ananias to go to him and to lay hands on Saul. And Ananias said, Whoa, uh uh. He said, this is the guy that was been killing Christians and he was sent here to get those of us in Damascus and take us back to be tried and persecuted and, and killed. And the Lord told him, he says, you know what? It's okay. He says, I'm going to show him all the things that he must suffer for my name's sake. He is a chosen vessel of me. All right, what was Ananias saying? All right. Ananias 
telling you the testimony of Saul that he knew of Saul. Saul's old life pre-Christ. I mean, it's just like I've had people talk about me, and I know that Wanda has, and I know that Eula has, and all the rest of us have. Then people told me when I first got saved, oh, it's just a fad, it won't last a minute. You'll get over it. I even had people in the church tell me, man, you need to calm down. Why? Man, people, people are dying and going to hell all around you. Man, your friends, your family, don't you understand that? Man, this is great news. You I mean you need to tell everybody? Man, I went off the deep end. So those people, but I went off the deep end for Jesus. That's a good deep end to go off of. Yeah. Okay. I was already off the deep end for Satan, and I was serving him like nobody's business. So I was even more enthusiastic for Christ. I mean, why do you think in three months I knew more about the Bible than people been in the church for 25, 30 years by their own mouth confession? They couldn't believe that I just got saved. And I was totally in a church before, previous to this event. Other going to vacation Bible school a couple times when I was like five. So I can't hardly remember what happened yesterday. So I know I wouldn't remember what was going on with five. Other than I knew that Jesus was God's son and never died. I knew that. So going back to, to Saul and Ananias. <clears throat> See, he had a, Saul had a testimony before his salvation. Just like each one of us. If you had naysayers and doubters in your life that talked trash to you when you got saved, hold up your hand. They said, oh, yeah, this is just a fad. This is just a phase. Man, you ain't going to put down all them drugs. You ain't going to quit doing this. You ain't going to quit doing that. I know you. If you were like me with a drug deal, how many of you had people show up at your house and try to get you to drink and do drugs with them after the Lord has set you free from it? Oh, man, come on. You want to drink a beer? Come on, burn one. Come on, man. Let's do this. Let's do that. Bring it over for free. Trying to get me. Now, who was, who was, who was behind that? Who was behind it? First was always free. Needs got to hook it. You know, you give the devil an inch, he becomes a rope. And that's what was trying to happen you know, with my salvation and my wife's salvation. We had people that were coming to us left and right wanting to party. Wanting to, they couldn't figure out. So man, you all want to come over and talk about Jesus? We'll have a Bible study and a cookout. Man, we'll put that down. Oh, man, we need that one, all that. Well, what? I thought we were best friends. Well, it sounds like you've got a new best friend named Jesus. I don't know. I can't handle it. Okay. I won't be seeing you in hell, but I'll see you if I see you on the street. And some of those finally got saved too, several years, and one of them was even on his deathbed. I was able to lead him to Christ, baptize him in the hospital bed before he passed away. And uh, short testimony about that. The night that he passed away, his mom told me that he hadn't moved in like three days. He'd just been laid in the bed, still. He couldn't have killed him to move. He had cancer. And the night that he died, he rolled over the bed and he was reaching for the corner room and he was seeing something. He was seeing angels or Jesus coming to get him. And his mama jumped up and screamed, Michael Dwayne, you're not leaving me. He rolled right back over, curled right back up, or he looked at her and then he rolled over and went right back to sleep. Or laid back over. And she thought about it and thought about it. And she went over and told him, she said, Michael, she goes, if Jesus and angels come to get you again, baby, it's okay. You go ahead and get on your stuff. 
less than five minutes he was gone. And I told her that I laid to Christ and baptized him and she just fell all apart because she was new. He had been to church, but she said he'd never been baptized, he'd never been baptized. Well, you ain't got Jesus, it don't do no good if you get, don't get, if you get baptized. You just come up to wet center. All right, Saul. <coughs> the apostle, or Ananias, goes and lays hands on Saul. And Saul uh, receives his sight. It's like scales fell off his eyes. They give him something to eat, and then he was baptized. And it says immediately and straightway, he went to the synagogue and he began to preach that which he persecuted. Immediately. I mean, they wouldn't even, didn't even want to receive him back when he went back to Jerusalem, the apostles because they didn't believe it. The apostles did not believe that this guy had repented and accepted Christ because he was so vehemently adamant about killing the Christians and those that were of what they called at the time the way. Now, <clears throat> Acts chapter 9, verses 21, and this is talking about the apostle Paul, or Saul. This is, but all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called upon the name, become this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for to uh, intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul, Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews that dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. So I want to tell you something. Matter of fact, well, it'll start right here. One of the things about Saul was why Saul was such an awesome weapon in the arsenal of God is because what he's fixing to talk about right here. See, Saul, he was Saul himself. He said he was a Jew of Jews. That he was trained at the feet of the uh, feet of Gamal. He was one of the greatest, most accepted, widely known teachers of the whole Jewish people. He was circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He wasn't a Sadducee because he actually believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection. If I didn't believe in the resurrection, I'd be sad too. Alright? But anyway, he he had biblical understanding and knowledge of all the laws of Moses. He was somebody that was basically like a, a, a religious lawyer for those people at the time. And pretty obviously, he was well popular because everybody knew him. And he was very, uh, in, in his own words, he was zealous, just as you are. Talking about people that are trying to kill him now because he's preaching Jesus. He was just as zealous as they were. Alright, now what we're fixing to read right here, read, we're not going to call it out and read it all, we're going to read part of it. But what, he's, what is he fixing to do? Right here in Acts chapter 22, is he's fixing to give his testimony of his salvation experience and his testimony of who he is and where he came from and what he was. Just like I would give mine that I was an alcoholic, a drug addict, a womanizer, an adulterer, uh, just a brawler, you know, stayed in bars and chased women and done all kind of bad things. Everything that you said that you would think that you didn't need to do, I've done it. 
If thou broke every commandment known to God, except for thou shalt not lay with another man. That one, we ain't done. Now, friends used to tell me that God looks after fools and drunkards, so I want to be a double qualifier. Because I was both. Now, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's thing here. He says this, he is testifying right now because they done tried to kill him. And um, he's in, he's being taken by the Romans, and they're fixing to give him a chance to give his, uh, to speak to the people there, the, the priests of the temple. Men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make unto you now. And when they heard him speak in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silent. And he said, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Sicily. Yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamal, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God as you all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest does bear witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went unto Damascus to bring them which were bound unto, or bring them there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, and came out of Damascus about noonday, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light around about me. All right, so now he's going back in. He's told you who he was, his old life, and verified that even the very high priest himself knew who he was, that the elders knew who he was. And that he was a citizen, that he was a citizen of that nation. Now, I'm not going to read all the way through all of that. Because what I want to get to, I mean, because I actually have the whole chapter 22 up there. And uh, there's no reading, reading all that right now. <clears throat> but this is what I want, want you to look at. You remember Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good of those that love the Lord and are called upon his purpose. I see on this particular instance, Saul was telling him that he was a Jew, that he was raised in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamal. Later on, he gets beat by the Romans, and or because or not the Romans beat him, but the, uh, the priests and all that had took him and thrown him out of the synagogue, created a big thing, and the Romans come and got him, and then they were trying to figure out why they were having such a fit about him, and they beat him. Saul, he had dual citizenship. He was also, he himself was also a Roman. <coughs> when him being a Roman, you got children under Greek. Saul being a Roman, they were all scared to death that they had actually beaten this guy without having, uh, without having been properly prosecuted and because uh, they were all that put them in great trouble themselves because they had done these things to them well and he asked them and there's, a, or there's another point they also when he used this that he was a Roman those that had threw him into jail wanted to just quietly throw him out and send him on their way he says no he says they, they persecuted me and put me in this jail as a Roman un unprosecuted without any judgment 
gonna get me out of here. They're gonna bring me out their cells. So these high folks had to go down there to the jail and actually bring them out and apologize in front of everybody. Well, later on, as this goes on, him being a Jew, as part of his testimony, him being a Roman opened the door for that man to be able to go through different prefectures all across the nations, all the way to Rome, until he got to literally give his testimony and the testimony of Jesus Christ and salvation all the way to Caesar. I mean, he hit all the high points. I mean, all the big rulers of all these different nations and stuff that they traveled through, they wanted to hear what he had to say. And they said they would have even set him free because he had done nothing wrong. But because thou has appealed unto Caesar, he went to the highest government in the land and preached Christ. To the highest government in the land. I mean, like one president preaching in the United Nations today, as far as like world, because back then at that time, in a lot of ways, the Roman nation was like the United Nations because they done overtook in everything that was really in the known world. And each one of these places they passed through, he was talking to those that, and witnessing to those that were over those sections, over those states, so to speak. So, with that said, what do you think God can do with your testimony? What do you think? I mean, there are things that have happened to me in my life, and there's things that have happened to you in your life that were bad things. <clears throat> Miss Apostle, uh, Apostle Paul, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked. He had all these things happen to him. I mean, he just survived a shipwreck, come up on an island, and he's getting, picking up sticks, and he winds up getting bit by a viper. And that type of viper, that's one of those that's like a three-step bite. You make about three steps, and you fall dead. And these people are sitting here watching this as he shakes it off in the fire like nothing happened. And they're thinking to themselves, what manner of man is this? You know, that he escapes the sea and death still chases him right on up to the land. He must be truly evil. And then after that happened, and he shook it off, and then they say he must be a god because he survived. People don't survive getting bit by this. It just don't happen. What did that do? That opened up the door for him to share the gospel. Amen. He had God's protection on his life. heard testimonies of people being fed poison that were missionaries. And the whole village got saved because it didn't kill them. And they knew this stuff will kill you immediately. They said they're feeding it to you and dinner, wait for you to fall over dead. But they found out that these people were real because their God saved them. I've seen testimonies of people in the mission field trying to get to a certain area where there was desperation, where there's people that needed Christ, there's people that needed provision. The bus run out of gas. All they had was 10 gallons of water. They poured 10 gallons of water in the tank, prayed over it like Jesus prayed over the water, turned into wine. So Lord, we're going to put this in here. It's up to you to make it run. Fired it up, drove another 150 to 200 miles 
on 10 gallons of water in a school bus. How is that possible? My only God. Her testimony of a school bus climbed a mountain and the only thing you ever went up that mountain was a Land Rover and donkeys. These people were in desperation. They hadn't had any food for a long time. As the weather had been bad and there was another group of unsaved people and all of them got saved because this school bus drove up in their village and with provisions. And they knew there was no way you drove that school bus. I'm talking about a full-size school bus up the side of that mountain. There's no way to get it up there, but it was that. They knew that was God. <clears throat> God doesn't just work in the little things. He doesn't work in the simple things. You've got to remember, Jesus changed water to wine. He healed, opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the sick, cast out demons, brought people back to their senses and were overwhelmed with demons even legions of demons. Multiplied food. Walked on the water. Told the storms, be ye still. And it did. You know what he said? He said that those that believe in me shall do these things and greater shall they do. Amen. Amen. Are we walking on water? If we are, if we aren't, it's because of our own doubt, unbelief, and lack of faith. Are we healing the sick? Are we leading people to Christ? Are we doing any of those things? But that's where your testimony comes in. You, like I said, you might not know all the scriptures in the world, but most people know, Romans 10, 9, and 10, Thou shalt believe with thy mouth the Lord, in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him <coughs> with him. Ask him in your heart, confess him, and confess him with your mouth, you shall be saved. That is not a direct quote. That's drew a blank there for a second. But Romans 10, 9, and 10 is very important. It's one of those main scriptures. If you look it up, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I want to I want to I want to correct something that everybody does. It says should not. It doesn't say won't. You have a choice. It's like once saved, always saved. You know, I always worry about that for the simple reason it says that he can block your name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. So that means that everybody might have been saved had a way to wind up out of it. It talks about that he grafted you in. That he took Israel out, grafted in the church. And he said, do you not think that you can boast, do you think you can boast against the vine that I can't take you back out or even graft them back in? He can't. So we need to be careful about how we walk. We need to follow Christ. You know, we need to do what he says to do. What's your testimony? My testimony. That's what changes people's lives. <coughs> because that gives them the catalyst to believe. God, I think Lord, you can do that in their life. Because I'm telling you, I, mean, I did 15 years of drug and alcohol recovery ministry. You tell somebody that you were addicted to all the things that we were addicted to, and that you've got 15 years clean time, and they're struggling to get 15 days, and they keep relapsing. That gives them hope. I can do it. I can do it. Amen. With Amen. Christ, I can overcome. I was healed. I was separated from that. I was set free. Amen. It's the 
this up to me and walk it out. He really is. And just like the testimonies that I gave at the beginning about healing, I can't tell you how many people I talk to that have that they don't they don't even know if they can even believe in a God because they have never seen anything miraculous. But when you share what happens to you, what has happened to you, and it's irrefutable that what happened to you, they're um, more inclined to believe that there truly is a God. That was, that's planting seed. Is there anybody else in here that wants to share a testimony where you know that you know that God intervened in your life, whether it be at the point of salvation, whether it be at the point of healing your kids or healing you, or saving you from a wreck or making provision for you? Um, is there anybody else that wants to share a testimony? Because that might be the catalyst, the testimony that you share may be the very catalyst that is something that reaches somebody else. Because this is what I was going to say a minute ago and I got sidetracked. There's a lot of things in my life that I've been through that are, are bad. But God delivered me out of them. God made a way where there seemed to not be one. A lot of broken heart issues. A lot of betrayal issues. Stuff that is hard to get over. It really is. It's hard to trust people. It's hard to trust God when you see these things that happen sometimes. But whenever God shows up, and He shows up in such a miraculous way that you know that He loves you. He didn't mean for that to happen to you, but you know, how many times have you ever heard of sheep bite sheep? And then we're all wounded. And sometimes whenever God's trying to heal us, God's trying to set us free. God's trying to change our lives. We bite out and we lash out those that are trying to help us. You ever seen a dog try to bite somebody that was trying to help them because they were hurting? Yeah. They didn't know what you were trying to do? Yeah. Even if you're trying to help them, they'll bite you. And it's the same thing with humans. It's no different. Now, has anybody else got a testimony they want to share? It's pretty awesome. I'm in a room with this many people that nobody has anything they want to want to proclaim that Christ did in their life. And I know there's people sitting here that have. Thank you. 